This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte, obviously. My name is Herb White. I'm Editor-in-Chief at the Charlotte Post. And it is Thursday, February 1st, 2024. And with me is... As always, Cameron Williams, staff reporter at the Charlotte Post. (laughs) You make it sound so sanguine. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, there's plenty going on around here. I hope you're all caffeinated, juiced, or whatever to get through all the stuff that's going I'm not on. Caffeinated. Okay. I've been trying to cut back on the caffeine. I've been drinking water this morning. I'm hitting that 11, 11.30 crash time. Uh, get to that wall. So. Gotta get that juice. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's hurry up before. Some real fireworks break out here. Uh, As we are recording, the Carolina Panthers are introducing their new head coach, Dave Canales, as well as the new general manager, Dan Morgan. Um, They have a mighty tall task ahead of them, uh, trying to resuscitate a franchise that, uh, without a doubt, was the worst in the NFL this year. (laughs) And some would argue, namely me, that this is the this was the worst season in Panthers history, bar none. Uh, what are your impressions of Canales and Morgan as they tried to right this ship? I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Canales can do with Bryce. Um, you just you talk about a guy who has really kind of reshaped and got Baker Mayfield's career going back in the right direction. Baker Mayfield, of all people. I know. I, know. I mean, you're talking about a guy who had a lot of promise coming out of college, didn't have a great stint with Cleveland. Or Carolina. Or, yeah, or Carolina. Um, still, I think that was an offensive line issue. Anyway. Okay. I digress. But, um, he, you know, in Canales, he just he really seemed to get his career going back in the right direction. If he can get that going with Bryce, with his talent, I, I think Bryce has got a lot more upside than Baker Mayfield. So, I mean, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do. Um, you know, got a proven track record. Still young. Um, so Only got, 42. Uh, yeah, I got got some liveliness about him. So, uh, I think all things are pointing in the right direction. But we've said that before about things in Carolina, and they fizzled out. So, Fizzled. They didn't optimistic. even get started. Well, cautiously <laughs> optimistic is the uh, the phrase I'll use. I can understand that. I am, well, I used to be, by nature, a real optimist. I am, I guess, at heart, I'm an optimist. Really? But I've been, yeah, but I've been around long enough to know, temper your expectations. Well. This franchise didn't fall into a ditch overnight. It's not going to get out overnight. Yeah. And Dave Canales, you know, he was, to me, the dark horse candidate among all those names that were floating out there originally when this process got started. And I'm like, who? Because, you know, in a world where Ben Johnson was the hot guy and then uh, Cincinnati's OC was the hot guy, you notice that very few defensive coordinators were even in that mix mm-hmm. seriously I think uh, in terms of uh, candidates to, to take over 
but he may be the one that they really need because he has that track record of building or rebuilding careers. Because you also have to remember Geno Smith was yeah. was a journeyman at best when Canales worked with him. He got an all-pro season out of it. He looks like an established starter in Seattle now. So he knows something about quarterbacks. And that is the most important position in football at any level. We thought Frank Wright knew something about quarterbacks too, though. Well, but the Panthers missed the obvious signs. Why would you hire a dude that the Ursays fired in Indianapolis? If the Colts fire you, that's a red flag. (laughs) And yet... Ignored all of that. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. History. I think um, Canales has a more of a win-now approach to things, whereas Dan Morgan, I mean, he's not saying they can't win now, but to to your point earlier, he knows it's a process. And, you know, Morgan is very – he wants to get the right people in place, the right processes in place to get this thing – get the train going back on the right track. Um and, you know, I guess Canal's just being you know, a little young and jovial. He's ready to ready to win right away. Um, yeah, I, mean, I guess that's a good thing. And they're peers in age as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're talking about early 40s, that kind of thing, where they have come along on similar paths uh, in terms of you know, working in Seattle and then off to Buffalo. I mean, these guys, they know each other. Uh, And I think that that pairing was smart in terms of, you know, somebody who's been with a successful group of franchises in Morgan and then Canales being with Seattle uh, during that time that Morgan was there and then off to Tampa Bay, uh, which in the NFC South, is the gold standard these days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's no great shapes, but that's not necessarily his fault. Yeah. So I think that pairing those two with their track records of success as a quarterback coach and offense coordinator, even though that experience is limited to only one year, I think positions Canales <laughs> to do some things that will position the Panthers, at least on offense, to do better. Now, to me, the other key to this is who's going to be the defensive coordinator and what does this staff look like? Uh, you know, Canales has gotten permission to bring along some coaches that he's worked with in Tampa Bay, which I think is a good idea. You want to be able to have some folks there who understand you and who understand what you want as opposed to what the Panthers did last year by bringing in an alleged all-star staff that, you know, frankly, these dudes were still trying to figure each other out as the season went on with not-so-great results. So you need to have people who understand what you're looking for. And if they can build a culture that leads to success and the owner stays out of the football side of things. That's the hardest part. Well, yeah, that's... (laughs) Uh, that's the billionaire in the room question. <laughs> you know? So, you know, will he let the people that he hired do their jobs? And if they fail, then you go ahead and step in and say, I, I, can't, I can't handle that. I mean, he's already adept at throwing people under the bus, over the tracks, and over the rails. 
So, you know, try it this way. Let them do their jobs, and if they fail, keep firing people till you find somebody who can. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I think right now it's just anything is better than what the Panthers saw last season. So <laughs> you're telling me, yeah, I mean, if if they can generate, you know, even six, seven wins, I mean, that's that's a major step in. You the might have to throw a parade over on Mint Street for that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, if if that can happen in year one, I think year two, year three under Canales could be even better. They just got to take the stepping stones, and they've got they they can't rush the process too. That's one thing I think you got these hot shot coaches that come in they. Want to turn things around instantaneously? Let let things fall where they fall. Um, as long as you're doing your due diligence and trying to get the program in the right direction, yeah, that's all you can really hope for. Well, good franchises in the NFL, they draft well. They sign free agents who can help them win. They don't necessarily go out and get big money people. They get good people who can improve that depth. And you also have to have a scouting department that can locate those diamonds in the rough and bring those guys in because um, championship teams aren't necessarily won with first-round picks. They're won by those fifth, sixth, and seventh-round dudes and those undrafted free agents. That's where teams are built. And so the Panthers have a lot of work to do in those areas, just to be able to get up to non-laughing stock status. <laughs> so it, it, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And if uh, if Morgan is anything close to what the Panthers are swearing up and down that he's capable of, you know, that's a good thing. Because when you get right down to it, if you don't have hope, you don't have much. That's true. In fact, you have nothing. And I think that that is what this fan base, at the bare minimum, is looking for. They're looking for something to, to hope for. Yeah. You know, championship, that'll wait. Give us something to hope for. There you go. So, I mean, you talk about laughing stock. So, as we kind of transition here, what... Uh, <laughs> oh, the other laughing stock? <laughs> what's, what's, what's it going to take for the Hornets to... To win games, to put it bluntly, but to just to get things going back to where they need to be, and that that is winning more consistently, and not winning a game here and there, than having you know two, three game losing streak, win a game, another losing streak. I think they would be glad to only go through a two or three game losing streak. This group is putting together some massive losing streaks, and I don't know where you begin to fix this group because it, let's face, they can't be fixed. Not this year. Oh, yeah. uh, there's there's like nothing. Yeah, it's not overnight for sure. Yeah, there's there's nothing that can be salvaged from this season, and we're a week away from the trade deadline. There's going to be obviously all kinds of candidates <laughs> who are ready for shipping away, and I guess the other side of that question is, how many dudes are out there that the Hornets can actually get something back in value. Yeah. Miles Bridges, uh, his contract is up at the end of the year. Uh, if a team is thinking that there may be one or two players away from making a serious run, I think he would be a really good fit. But I also think that his best fit is still in Charlotte. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's a fair assumption. One thing that you know, one trade that I've thought about is because Chicago has been teetering with the idea of you know putting Levine up for you know trade, and because there's been talks the last couple of years about that. If Charlotte were to offer Bridges and say down the down the road like a twenty twenty six or seven second round pick or well, even first-round pick for Levine, would you deem that a good trade? Because you trade away Rozier, so you don't have that shooting guard that you had. You bring Levine in because you've got so much depth at that 3-4 position. you got wings galore. Yeah, I mean, with P.J. Washington, you know, I, mean, I know Nick Richards is more of a center, but you got Mark Williams. Constant injuries, another thing that's hurting the Hornets, but um, that's another topic. Could that be beneficial for both teams because you got Kobe White now it's Caruso and you've still got DeRozan in Chicago. Um, you bring Miles in to play that either three or four, just depending on where he fits best in the system. With Vucevic and Drummond at the five that kind of rotate in and out, I think it could be beneficial to both teams. Yeah. But Chicago is not going to give uh, – it's not going to be a player-for-player player swap because I think Levine's upside is still better than Bridges. Really? Personally, huh, okay. Well, maybe so. I wouldn't necessarily. If I'm Chicago, I wouldn't necessarily even make that trade because if I, like I said, you trade for folks in the hopes of making some sort of push. What are the Bulls pushing for with the Miles Bridges? Yeah, because I mean the the Bulls have the past few seasons have been a perennial like five hundred team. So at best, yeah. So he he doesn't necessarily lift them. Now, if you're talking about Miles Bridges going to the Lakers, maybe. Yeah, but she, who, who are they going to get in return? That might be a draft pick scenario, and maybe somebody, you know, because of his contract situation, Miles Bridges is a is a loner anyway. Yeah. So just, you're talking about teams that are that are maybe in position to try to get some home court advantage for the playoffs, or on the f- further end, a team that just wants to make the playoffs. Those are the guys th- that would be attracted to renting his services for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I think the Lakers are just in such a different. Like situation. I mean, I guess you could do because I mean, yeah, Bridges would start over um, Tari and Prince, but uh, I guess you could do like Bridges for Austin Reeves, maybe. Because I mean, like I said, Charlotte needs that that shooting guard um, for like Reeves and maybe a first round pick in the future. Well, I don't even necessarily think if the Hornets were trading, they're not even necessarily looking for bodies. They're looking for. Capital use for draft choices. Yeah, well, yeah, because I mean, it's like it's like you said, they're not looking to to win tomorrow, <laughs> maybe even next year. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, if you could, if you could stock up on picks and even get in a three way trade. I mean, I, I think some of these three way trades get really involved. It's like, okay, well, you get this player, and I'm sending this player here because they're giving me X, Y, and Z picks, and by the way, you're getting one of those picks. Uh, I think those get a little too involved, but hey, if you can figure out something that works, go for it. But 
the Hornets hadn't been on the good end in some of these trades they made it forever. Well, forever. <laughs> yeah, go back to Kobe. But anyway, <laughs> that's a long time. But yeah, they they've had more misses than hits. There's no doubt about that. But I, I think that uh, you know, outside of Lamelo Ball, who is you know you hate to use the word injury prone, very uh, uh, Brandon Miller, you know and. Maybe Mark Richards, maybe because you he's starting to have some injury issues as or well. Mark, Mark, yeah, Mark Williams. Yeah. Mark Williams. Yeah, you you, you mentioned this hundred things. Yeah, I got you. yeah. Mark Williams. <laughs> but outside of those three guys, anybody's a go. Everybody's a go. <laughs> you know, healthy or not. You know, hopefully you can just pass a physical and you'll be on your merry way. But. Th- and who's to say that the head coach will even be here for the great rebuild? Yeah. Or the GM, for that matter. You've got new owners in place. They haven't necessarily showed their hand as far as what they're thinking of in terms of the on-court product. They can't be pleased, not with taking all these L's. And so how committed are they to starting over with their own head coach their own GM, yeah. and I could get Adrian Griffin tomorrow. Well, the Bucks lost a really good a really good coach, Adrian Griffin. Yeah, but if you believe the media reports that have surfaced, you know, for whatever reason, he and his players did not necessarily see eye to eye on how things were being done, and. You know how it works these days. It's a player driven. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you can you can get rid of a coach a whole lot easier than you can your best player. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, if he says this dude's got to go, dude's got to go. That's all there is to it. Yeah. I mean, what's to say Lamelo's not off the trading block? (laughs) His contract is a little large, so so a, a small market team. Would have to get rid of like what, maybe five players just to absorb his contract. A big market team could swallow that a little bit easier, but is that worth the risk of not having him available to play? <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're asking me, because I mean, I tend to think so. He plays, and then he gets hurt. He plays, and then he gets hurt. It, it's a constant cycle with him, and has been really since he got drafted. Yeah. So but, what's to say you can't trade him to the Lakers and get D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, and say two future picks for one player? I'd do that tomorrow. I mean, I, if I'm I – mean, call me crazy. I'm, no, I'm not in basketball operations, but I'd do that trade tomorrow. But when you need him most, would he be there? <laughs> That's the question. Not to say that he won't, or he never will. That's a billion-dollar question for any team that's ever made a trade, ever. Yeah, but you also have to look at, well, what are the odds? Think of it that way. Odds aren't in your favor. Of course not. It could be just because of where he's employed right now. It's like, look, I'm not going out there, and I've got a future to think about because, you know, there's me, and then there's this team, and they're not doing very well, and you know I'm paid either way, so 
Yeah. Why bother? I just think in that situation it gives it gives capital to the Hornets. Plus, you fill the shooting guard spot. You fill the point. You fill the point guard spot that Lamelo would have left. You enter two still youthful guys like Reeves and Russell with Brandon Miller with Mark Williams and PJ Washington. You give them the draft capital. But the Lakers get what they need in a pure point guard. I say pure point guard, even though Lamelo can still score. But yeah. he's a, he's a distributor to distribute to guys like LeBron James and AD Davis. Mm-hmm. On paper, that on paper, looks that like looks a that looks like a championship threesome. But <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think it gives both teams what they want. Um, the, the Hornets want wins. <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure that... I think it can generate <laughs> wins with that draft capital that you have over the next couple seasons. It's not going to change overnight. We've said that at the beginning. So, mm-hmm. if you have a first-round pick in this year's draft and next year's draft, it slowly starts to build. In so. addition to your own. So, exactly. yeah, we'll see. But again, you have to be able to get the right fit. Uh-huh. For your team, and the Hornets have been putting round pegs into square holes for, for it seems like forever, but it hasn't been. I mean, we're only two, three years removed from the play-in, which I thought was really impressive. And maybe the wheels fell off of this franchise when they cut James Borrego loose. Yeah, fair, I mean, fair assessment. I mean, granted, they couldn't get out of the out of the play-in, but. A 43-win team looks a whole lot better than what it has 10 wins in 45 games today. If you could get in the Wayback Machine, I would think most Hornets fans would take that squad. Oh, yeah. But if I'm the Hornets right now, I know the term's frowned upon and they've got rules in place to kind of prevent it, but I'm doing my best to tank because not this year's draft class, but next year with Cooper Flag. That kid's going to be special. Well, I don't think the Hornets have to try that hard to tank. <laughs> They're tanking they in, in real time, right? They yeah. got to tank worse than the Pistons. They're still... <laughs> well, now that takes some doing. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> but team. A, a team that they also lost to. Keep that in mind. Yeah. So, well, I mean, there have been, what, six teams now? Seven teams that have lost to the Pistons? So, they're not the only oh, ones. Yeah, they're just the worst one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but enough about the Hornets. Uh, let's talk about some halfway decent basketball in Pretty Charlotte. Solid, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some solid basketball. With the Charlotte 49ers, who are seven wins in a row and are playing East Carolina on Saturday. Can't wait to get out there. Halton's packed again. It's, uh, it's and, and when was the last time you could actually say that with a straight face? It's been, a, it's been a while. Since before I started school there. Mm-hmm. And this is a program that's in position. If they can run the table in the America, maybe they could lock up an NCAA tournament berth just in the regular season. You don't have to do the win to get in scenario. How likely is that? I think it's a stretch. And um, any 49er fans listening to this, I'm. I'm sorry, but it, it it's a stretch. So the, sober up. Yeah. I mean, not, not just saying that. I mean, I'm sure I need to take my email off my social media. But 
it's just it's the early losses in this season against Davidson, against Stetson, um, and some other ones. I mean, not I mean Liberty wasn't a great loss just by the sheer. It wasn't a great loss, but I mean it's not as looked down upon it, especially against Stetson. Um, those losses hurt really bad when you talk about getting that large bid. Um, yeah, you did great in the American. You can win it outright, maybe lose your conference tournament, say the semifinals or the, the championship game. It's still going to be tough. I, I think the American could be a three-bid league. I mean, Memphis isn't helping anybody out losing last night. Um, <laughs> and then there's Florida Atlantic. And there's Florida Atlantic. Um, right now, uh, they both... Charlotte and Florida Atlantic both have one loss in conference play, but obviously Charlotte has the head-to-head, so they're technically in first place. They get the top seed if the season ended today. Um, uh, unlikely would be the, the one word I'd use to describe how likely it is for Charlotte to get an at-large. Um, again, it, it just goes back to the early losses, but, I mean, right now the way they're playing, what's to say they can't win the conference tournament? <laughs> that's true Memphis is on a downward swing you know Charlotte's proven they can beat UAB who's up at the top they've proven they can beat FAU who's up at the top North Texas so what's to say they can yeah and keep in mind this program hasn't advanced to the NCAAs since 2005 that's a long stretch without having a taste of the tournament uh, but I also think that maybe some of this, granted, some people see this as a surprise, that they are in a position that they're in first year in the AAC. But I also look at it as this is part of a part of the growth that was established last year when they went out and won the CBI. Now, granted, the CBI Ooh. wasn't necessarily a high-profile kind of thing, but they played their best ball late in the season, kept advancing up, and, you know, they won the whole thing. Or am I missing something here? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think you're missing a good bit. Okay. And now um, I'll do my best to explain. Um, they were playing solid at the end of last year. Yes, you said it, the CBI is really nothing to spit at, and um, a lot of fans weren't even happy that they went to the CBI to begin with. <laughs> Um, I think Fern has got this got this team turned around, just completely. Um, the interim shouldn't, and Mike Hill, if you're listening, shouldn't be beside his name very much longer. Um, he engages with the players. The players, you know, a few of them told me that you know just talks in the locker room. A lot of them weren't going to stay if Fern wasn't named the interim head coach because. They brought someone in that they didn't all know and stuff. I mean, it was going to be like a mass exodus. You see it, you know, at Alabama. I mean, I know that's a, kind of an extreme example. But you look at all these players at Alabama that are leaving after Saban retired. It was going to be like that at Charlotte and on their basketball team because, I mean, people genuinely liked Fern as a coach. And it's showing out there on the court. The transfers have come in. They've taken to the, the system that Fern's got in place. They're starting to mesh with one another. And they're kicking tail right now. <laughs> okay, but now, Fern was on Ryan Sanchez's staff last year. He was. Okay, so that's the bridge. That, that's, that, all that, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. 
But, and I mean, this is no slight of Ron Sanchez. I know fans like to give him a lot of heck, but I just don't think he was right for the head coaching job at Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he did fine at UAV or UVA. UVA. No, UAV. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's back there and mm-hmm. you're just doing his thing. But I just, I think Fern was more, I guess you could say, just more ready to be a head coach. Yeah, but he's got head coaching experience overseas. You know, he he's done this before, so it's it's obviously proven in the in the wins that it was a solid decision to make him in the interim. Yeah, some guys make better Braves than Chiefs. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so not casting aspersions, but just spewing some truths there. But uh the game is uh, Saturday at four. Two at uh, two thirty. Two or two thirty. Okay. Nonetheless, uh, if you hadn't bought your tickets now, you might be a bit too late because <laughs> there's like a few tickets in the very top corners, and other than that, yeah. But to me, the the thing that is uh, that's noteworthy is Charlotte games are now on television. Yeah. yeah. ESPN, ESPNU, their family of. Over the air, well, it's still cable slash satellite, mm-hmm. but at least it's not on a streamer. It's mm-hmm. their actual. Well, some of them have been. Platforms. Some of them have been on the right, ESPN but, Plus, but but when was the last time you saw that many ESPN games True. with Charlotte involved? Probably <laughs> the last time they were doing well. So. Yeah, so I think that that is the clearest indicator of. Their relevance now. That's funny what success will do. I mean, nobody wants to see losing. It brings more fans (laughs) out. It's just it gets more. You know, it gets it generates more excitement. Absolutely, that's that's what winning does. Yeah, and if you've been starved for it, like these folks have, then it's literally a rush to go see what it's all about. So good for them, and we'll see what happens at the. at the tail end of the season, whether they can keep it up and win their way into the tournament. So, there you go. And that will do it for this edition of Sports Charlotte. We appreciate you listening in with us at Queen City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud. You know the platforms. Also, do us a favor and... Subscribe to our newsletter. It's weekly, and we cover all kinds of sports at the Post. So sign up for the uh, for the newsletter. Keep up with us on social media, X, Facebook, Instagram. You know the drill. 49er fans, be sure to do that because I know just they say they're starving for coverage. There I you go. It. I provide. Yeah, so if we're covering you, that's the least you can do. We're giving you what you want. What else do you need here? Putting the food on the plate. All you got to do is eat. Well, even if you don't have a fork, just tilt it <laughs> just your way. In, yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, until the next time, I'm Herb. I'm Cameron. Thanks for listening. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot